I've got, I've got a in, very interesting word for you this morning <laughs> for Mother's Day. Uh, here on Mother's Day, we're going to talk about mothers, but we're going to talk about prophecy and miracles. So I was just like, that's an interesting combination, Lord. And, you know, because I was thinking about mothers, and I began to look up all these scriptures on moms and, and different, look at different moms in the Bible. And one thing I've really realized about moms is moms are launchers. You guys are amazing because what moms do is you guys pull your kids out of your quiver, man. You stick them in the bow and you, you launch them out. Think about this. This is why I say this because um, I know my mom, she, she had a knack for encouraging me to do stuff that was not comfortable for me, you know, that was out of my comfort zone. It wasn't something I wanted to do. It wasn't something I was excited about doing. But when I did do it, it was you know, then I bragged about it later because I was, I was glad I did, you know. And so moms have that ability. They have that gifting to do that. Now, you think about Jesus. Jesus and his disciples, he hasn't officially started his ministry yet in that he hasn't done any miracles, hasn't performed one yet. And he just goes to a wedding with his disciples in Cana. And they're there in the wedding. His mom comes to him and says, sweetheart, we have a problem. They have run out of wine. This is a wedding feast. That's not a good thing. And Jesus replies to his mom, and he says, I'm not going to say the first word because I don't want to get into a theological debate right now with women. But he says, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. In other words, I, I, my, I'm not ready to start my ministry yet. But his mom doesn't even pay attention to what he said. She turns to the servant and she says, whatever he says to you, do it. That would be a great place in your Bible to underline, to mark all up, to highlight. In fact, that would be a great phrase to just write down and stick it on your mirror, stick it inside your cabinets every time you open your cabinet. Whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, that's what you should do. So this is where prophecy comes in. This is where it gets a little interesting because whatever he says to you, do it, means that you know what he said to do. I can't follow instructions unless I first receive instructions. Uh, Pastor um, Keith Moore at Faith Life Church in Branson, Missouri, he was sharing one time about how for, for a couple of weeks, he was praying pretty much every day, Lord, I want to hear your voice. Lord, I want to hear your voice. Lord, speak to me. I want to hear your voice. And he said, finally, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and he said, I've already spoken to you in the word. Get in there and find out what I said there first. And then if I have something additional to say, then I'll speak to you. But here's what I'm seeing a lot of in this generation today is I'm seeing a lot of people listening to prophecy and allowing prophecy to lead them. And not bringing it back and testing it with the word of God. So, <clears throat> because she, Mary said, whatever he says to you, do it. She didn't say whatever prophetic word that you get, this sounds good, do that. In the Old Testament, they were led by prophetic words. Why? They did not have the Holy Spirit. It was, it was 
the pre-covenant. So God had to speak to people through prophets. But how many of you know, not all the prophets were on the mark. There were false prophets back in that day. How many of you know there's still false prophets today? How many of you know that people are not the only ones who are false prophets? They're inspired. False prophets are inspired. Inspired by who? By a spirit. It's the wrong spirit. See, the enemy's been at this a long time. He's been on the planet for, what, he's been at it for 6,000 years. So he's been at it a lot longer than we have. And he's had a long time to be able to examine the human anatomy and how we function and, and what we like, what we don't like. And he watches. And this is an opportunity for him when you think about a prophetic word, you think about a person that puts stock in a prophetic word and they don't test the word, they could be easily swayed by that prophetic word. For instance, somebody comes and they, says, they say something to you and it makes perfect sense. In fact, nobody else knows that about you. And it's a word that you get and you're wowed by that fact because that makes it spectacular. That word, I think, even more needs to be tested. Let me read that to you so you know what, the, you know what I mean by that because all prophecy should be tested. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20 says this, do not treat prophecy with contempt. So we're supposed to, we're supposed to respect prophecy from the right place. But test, how many? Test them all. All prophecy, no matter what it is, needs to be tested. You need to make sure that it's a word from God. So there's a couple of things to pay attention to. One of the things that I, that, that's interesting to me is when somebody um, prophesies to me or says, hey, I've, I've got a word for you, Phil. I'm interested in who they are. What's your track record? Because whether or not a person is a prophet or not means that what they say either comes to pass or doesn't come to pass. It doesn't come to pass, they're not a prophet. It does come to pass, oh, they might be a prophet. Now, I remember one time, um, my wife and I were in Austin, Texas, and we were working on staff at a church. And we would get up every morning at around 5 a.m. and we would pray together. And we'd just spend time in prayer as a couple. We didn't have an agenda. We just wanted to love on God. And so we began to pray and God began to deal with me for months that we were going to be going to a new city, that we were going to be starting a ministry. And I went, wow, that's... And so I prayed about it for a long time. I prayed about it for months and months and months. Once I made sure that I had it personally and it was in my heart, then I shared it with Nicole. And I, this is not Nicole, by the way. She's back with kids. And I shared it with Nicole. That's just where she normally sits. And I shared it with Nicole. And then Nicole went and prayed about it for months. And I said, let me know, you know, like in November. And I think we were mid-summer at that time. Let me know what the Lord speaks to you. Because I don't know about you. I don't want to step out on what I hope. I would rather step out on what I know. That I know that God's speaking to my heart. And so she came back in November. She said, honey, I feel like that's right. Shortly after that, we had a guest speaker come, come to our church by the name of Dick Mills. How many of you remember a guy named Dick Mills? Yeah, some of the California people. He's, he was from California and then Arkansas. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I'm sorry. Anyway, he came to the church 
And if you know anything about Dick Mills, his track record of being prophetic was phenomenal. I mean, just mind-blowing. So Nicole and I are sitting in the crowd. We're sitting over in this area. And he points at us and he says, you two, stand up. And he proceeds to divulge everything that we had been praying about to the entire church. Just right there. And I'm just going, oh, Jesus, we are so fired. We are so fired. I mean, you know, because I'm going, the pastor, I, could, I just had this vision, the pastor calling me in his office Monday morning and saying, so what's this prophecy about? What's going on? Is there something I need to know? Because we had been praying about it, and here he is divulging it. But you know what was so amazing is that God hid it from every person, hid it from the pastor. Nobody had any idea. In fact, when we did resign uh, eventually after that, I don't remember how long it was, but when we did, he was, he was shocked. So never saw that prophecy, never, never connected. That's the kind of God that we serve. But, but here's the encouraging thing to me about the word that Dick Mills gave, because prophecy in the New Testament is supposed to build up edify, and encourage. That's the three purposes of prophecy in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it was used for a lot more. But see, we have someone with us now in the New Testament, and his name is Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit is your personal prophet. He speaks directly to your heart. He shows you things to come. He's the one that leads and that guides and directs. And the, and the encouraging thing to me about the prophecy that Dick Mills gave was that one, it was confirmation of what God had already spoken to my heart. So it wasn't something brand new that I'm a, now a cow at a brand new gate going, uh. Now that's happened to me too, and I'll share that in a moment. But, but it, was in, it was confirmation but it was a word that was encouraging, edifying, and uplifting. Because his confirmation of what we were doing, he he said, God's going to take you to a new city and it's going to be a place place of tranquility. And I was like, oh, that sounds amazing. Because, you know, I like tranquility. So, oh, I was going to share with you. So, So then I've had the other side where someone has spoken prophetically over my life, but it was something brand new that I'd never heard before about me personally. Now, it was encouraging, edifying, uplifting, but how many of you know, no matter who it comes from, it still has to be tested. I'm going to show you how to test it here in a second. And so, uh, my wife, uh, I, was, I was marrying Nicole, it was 1992, and I grew up at, at Victory Church in Tulsa. And I, anyway, uh, Nicole's father is a minister from way back. And, and Pastor Billy Joe, my pastor at the time, knew her father. And so, you know, he came up and, and I shared with him that I was going to be moving to Phoenix, that Nicole and I were going to be getting married August 1st. And he looked at me and he said, Phil, you're a pastor. And when he said that, that was the last thing I wanted to hear. I would rather you say I was going to travel with the circus than you're going to be a pastor. I'm serious. I was just like, I, okay, I know your track record is amazing because I've watched you give words over people and they have come to pass, but this time you bombed out. You know, this, this word is not going to, and here we are. So you guys know the rest of the story. So too often though, people are wowed 
by the word that they receive. And when you're wowed by the word that you receive, sometimes it's hard to filter it through a test because you want that word to come to pass. Does that make sense? So, so false prophets have that ability. The Spirit of God, or I'm not, not the Spirit of God, but the enemy can sow seeds. What does he do? He sows seeds of thoughts into people. And when he sows those seeds, then if I, if I can get this person to say this to them, then I can create a desire on this side. Because he doesn't care. His job is to steal, kill, destroy. He doesn't care how that happens. So think about this, because I read this scripture in Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a, was a really interesting prophet because he was a prophet that nobody hardly listened to. How, that would be real encouraging to grow up like that, wouldn't it? To be given prophecies all the time, people going, uh-uh, no, no, that's not right. Nobody listened to you. You know, but yet there was another prophet by the name of Hanani. Hanani was going around and he was lying to people. And he was saying, thus saith the Lord, lie, 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 lie. And he was saying all this stuff. And so Jeremiah called him out and he said, thus says the Lord, because you've been lying and saying that you were prophesying in God's name, you're going to die in the next year. Two months later, he was gone. So, so listen to this scripture. This is very interesting in Jeremiah 29, verse 8. It says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in, the, in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. That's a really interesting. We'll probably come back to that. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. Wow, false prophecy going on. But sometimes because it's what we want to hear, we could latch on to something that may or may not be him. And that's why it's so important to test everything that we hear. That was a good word. So Proverbs 14, Proverbs 14 verse 15 says this, the simple believes every word but the prudent considers well his steps. Let me jump back to that, uh, that part where it talks about dreams. Sorry, I'm using a new program, so it's a little smaller than my normal one. <laughs> I think I'm gonna be going back. Um, because uh, <clears throat> I, met, I met with a, a man that wanted me to meet with him, and, and he was talking about, he was really needing some direction in his life. And whenever you've gone through major storms in your life, you become vulnerable, you know? I mean, you're a little more vulnerable, I think. And he had. He had been through some major storms in his life. And so he was reaching out for words from God. And so he found, he found a couple of prophets, and one lived in one area, another guy lived in another place. And this guy that lived in the other place, he said he, said he, he interprets dreams. He said, and he interpreted a dream, and it was amazing. And I said, oh, Okay. He said, I, he said, and he's asking me to pray that God would give me dreams so that I could interpret, so that he could interpret them. And I went, I, when he said it, I just, you know how things just in you, you're like, you know, like I'm going, I don't, I don't know about that. And then I read this scripture about dreams under false prophets. Okay, 
And so, so then there was this other guy. And again, he's vulnerable. So he's looking for answers to questions. When all the time, everything, every answer is in the Word of God. Every answer is in Scripture. It's all in there. But what's easier to do? Get a word from a prophet or get into the Word of God and have to search out the Scriptures, the mysteries of the gospel. It's the glory of kings to search out the mysteries, right, of Scripture. And that's what our responsibility is as students of the Word of God, as Christians, is to go to the Word. You say, Phil, you don't understand. What I'm going through is not in the Word. No, I beg to differ. It's in there. It's in there. You're just not seeing it. That's how some people can read the Bible from front cover to back cover and go, yeah, I read it. It was cool. Now, you, you need the Holy Spirit on the inside of you because the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He is our prophet on the inside. So when we're reading the scripture, that's why you can get different things out of the word of God every time you read it. That's why whenever you go to him in prayer and you say, Lord, I need an answer to this situation could you give me scripture on that? He will if you'll give him time. If you'll be diligent to seek him, he'll show you in his word. Amen? Okay. All right. So God doesn't mind you testing words. It doesn't show that you have a lack of faith. It shows diligence on your part. Do you want to know what he said? Because the, the, the purpose of prophecy is to build up and to encourage. So prophecy is not leading. It's not direction for your life. So if you come to me and you say, Pastor Phil, I got a word from God. I'm going to ask who gave it to you. If you say scripture, I'm going to go, okay, what was it? If you tell me somebody else, I'm going to ask, have you tested that word with scripture? Because that's how you test prophecy. You bring it back to scripture. I've asked God I've, when, I, when I've received words from him, that pastor thing, I, didn't, I never tested. I just shelved it. I just went, uh-uh. In fact, I pushed it as far away as I could, back where the dusty stuff is in the back corner. Get that away from me, you know, kind of deal. Jesus' name, you know. <laughs> and, and, and years later, though, it came back. And I remember God put it in my heart, and he said, you need to look at that. And here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to do your resume. And I want you to apply for a pastorate job. And I went, what? Are you serious? And I put together that resume. Nobody ever saw it. And God called me into ministry another way. But it was that diligence of walking it through. Okay. All right. So let, let me move on. Scripture says in Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. It's what we follow. It's the direction for our life. The Holy Spirit, he, he, he directs us through his word. Amen. Okay. So how do we test prophecy? Scripture. Scripture becomes our final authority. Okay. So everything should be filtered through scripture. Now let's turn over, turn over to Luke chapter 10. I want to look at a familiar story. In Luke chapter 10, this is the time when Jesus came to a new town uh, Martha invited him to her house and he comes and she's busy fixing him stuff to eat 
and Mary, her sister, just sits at his feet. And later, it says that this is what Mary was doing. In verse 39, it says, and she had a sister called Mary who was at Jesus' feet and heard his word. That's what Mary was doing at his feet, listening to the word, listening to the words that Jesus would say. So Martha's all busy. She comes to Jesus and complains. She says, tell my sister to get up and help me. Jesus responds and says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken from her. The one thing was her at Jesus' feet, hearing his word. His scripture changes everything. His word changes everything in our life. It shows us how to love our spouses correctly. It shows us how to raise our kids. It directs us in the steps that we should take. It literally does. God will give you scriptures that are for seasons of your life. And it's amazing because it will help direct you. It'll help lead you in the path that you should go. So cling to his word. And do this, cite his word correctly. I, I, I've been, uh, I'm taking a class from ORU and I had to write an essay. And so they, they say you have to use APA style writing. And so what APA style is, is, is it's when you cite people or you cite an article or a journal or an author. And when you cite it, one of the rules is, is it has to be an exact quote. An exact quote. So I'm bringing this up because sometimes as Christians, we have gotten so kind of drifted from the word where we still kind of know what that scripture says, but we're not necessarily going back and putting our eyes on it. And, and again, reminding ourselves exactly what that said. And so we begin to cite the word a little differently, or maybe it's, gets, it's not as clear as it used to be. And it's, I think it's a call to bring us back to what does scripture actually say? What does it say? All right, so that we're quoting it correctly because scripture gives credibility to prophetic words. All right, turn over to 1 Samuel and then I'm gonna get into this next part, miracles. Whew. I think I made it through prophecy unless there's something else God wants me to say. Hopefully he'll bring it out. Amen. 1 Samuel, I wanna talk about a woman by the name of Hannah. Hannah had a husband, his name was Elkanah. And Elkanah had another wife named Panina. And how many of you know that's got to be a fun dynamic? Because Panina had children, but Hannah did not. So every year they would go to Jerusalem and they would take all of their sacrifices to Jerusalem, you know, to present their sacrifices. It was a yearly thing. And so they go, and the, but this year in particular, Panina really starts provoking Hannah. And the reason is, is because Elkanah, he gave portions, whenever they would go and make sacrifices, he would give portions to Panina and her kids, her sons and daughters. But then he would give a double portion to Hannah. So he's given a double portion to Hannah. So man, if that doesn't breed some jealousy, you do one, this for one, but not the other kind of deal. And so Panina goes on this trip and she is provoking Hannah. She is just really messing with her, teasing her about how she doesn't have any kids. Now, I don't know about you. I, th I think some things you can be teased about. It's worthy of teasing, you know. For instance, I had a friend who, uh, he was driving his car one day and he had left a milkshake in the, in the cup holder overnight. 
and it was, it was a big cup, and it had no lid. And a buddy of his is riding with him. Well, he thought it would be funny as they're driving down the road to throw it out his window. But what he forgot was he cleaned his window the day before he washed his car, and when he threw it, the window was closed, and it just went all over his good friend. And so he was teased about that for a long time. In fact, I, I feel confident it's probably still coming up. So, I mean, it's one thing when it was a mistake. I mean, it was something funny that happened. It's another thing when it's something you have no ability to do anything about. Like me, for instance. I mean, I like talking about you, but let me talk about me for a second. When I was 18, I start, my hair started receding. Now, I'm 56 now, so I'm very thankful to have just anything up on top of my head. But when I turned 18, I started getting, you know, receding hairline and started, started changing. And people started teasing me about my hair. Well, I thought, I can't do anything about my hair. I mean, I, there's, or lack thereof, exactly. And so anyway, and I saw an old friend from, uh, from that era six months ago. And he's still teasing me about my hair. Anyway, okay, can't do anything about it. So I can identify with Hannah here. So here's what happens. So uh, verse 6 in 1 Samuel says that her rival provoked her. So here's what happened. So it was year by year when they went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and would not eat. This is Hannah we're talking about. So apparently it's gotten so bad that she has broken down. And then, by the way, on hairline, you don't ever want to make fun of somebody that's going bald because remember Elisha? Remember those boys that made fun of Elisha? Those two bears came out of the, yeah, some of you shaking your head. Mauled those kids. All right. Okay, sorry. I just wanted to bring that up. So Elkanah, listen to Elkanah. Elkanah is going, I, I want to help my wife out. I just want to encourage her. So listen to what Elkanah says. He says, Hannah, why are you weeping? And why don't you eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better than 10 sons? That sounds like some goofy man trying to encourage his wife. <laughs> it's, that's pretty bad. Anyway, Hannah doesn't even pay attention to him. She ignores him. He's not helping. Verse 9, so Hannah arose after they finished eating and drinking and went to Shiloh. Eli the priest is sitting um, in a seat at the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed that the Lord, prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow. She said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the infliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued to pray before the Lord that Eli is watching her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thinks that she's drunk. So Eli, so now if it wasn't bad enough that she's been grieved and she's in anguish and she's praying out of that grief and anguish of her heart, this is a deep prayer that she's praying. And now Eli comes and accuses her of being drunk. But what does she do? She won't allow the offense to rob her of what she's believing God for. 
We can allow fence to stop us from God answering a prayer that we have. But she doesn't. And so in the midst of that, she says, she says, oh no, my Lord. She said, I am just praying out of the grief of my heart and I'm asking God to do a miracle in my life. So Eli says, go in peace and may God grant you your request. Now, with that said, I want to read one more thing and then I'm going to have my good friend Dave share a testimony with you. Because we should never adjust our faith to what people say or how they feel. When uh, when my mom had her massive heart attack, my dad, I watched him um, deal with all kinds of things because the doctor kept bringing bad report after bad report after bad report, bad report. And I remembered watching my dad in the waiting room because he was just like this the entire time. It's just as solid as a rock, refused to be moved by what he was hearing, by what people were saying. And that's the fight of faith. That's the fight of faith. So I want Dave to come and he shared a testimony here at midweek. I'd like him to share this testimony with you. Okay. Uh, could you go ahead and put that family picture up? So Ellen uh, would love to be here. She sends her aloha as she is in Hawaii right now. Um, visiting with our blue-haired wonder there. <laughs> um, um, Anna, she just graduated from college, and, um, and her husband is in Ohio moving into their new home. So Ellen went to go help. And, but this story is not about that. As you can see, uh, children were not a problem for us. <laughs> we had four kids under three. <laughs> figure that out. We had a two-year-old, a one-year-old, and then a set of twins. And that was just the beginning. <laughs> so, and we weren't even married a year <laughs> before the first one was born. But uh, this story is about um, the upper left, Joe and Susanna. Joe is uh, a twin, he, he is, uh, and his twin sister is the lower right. And so Joe and Susanna... Um, went into their marriage knowing that um, the likely of, likelihood of them ever having kids was naturally was, was not going to happen. And um, for, had all kinds of medical documentation that uh, it just was not going to happen for them. And uh, this is where the power of, you know, so often we kind of joke around and saying, oh, you know, when are you going to have kids? When are you going to have kids? They've been married for four years. And every time it was just this little, little dagger because uh, she was hurting. She was hurting. And every time where on the other hand, Ellen and I were constantly told, you know what causes that, don't you? <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> yes. 
So um, last November, and I, I checked the dates on this, uh, last November, um, well, we had just, we hadn't really known. They, they had shared with us in about September that uh, they were having some issues and they were looking into going to do in vitro. And um, so that was just going through my heart for, for about a month or so. And then one night, uh, midweek, and that was November the 9th, was uh, midweek, uh, the week before Thanksgiving. I just felt impressed upon by the Lord to offer this up. Uh, Phil had offered an opportunity to, for people to be prayed for. And I just asked that uh, we, we pray for Joe and Susanna. And um, Jesse Dalton just prayed this incredible prayer. I wish it was documented. I don't know. I, I, I just remember a breakthrough happening at that point. A breakthrough was happening. And um, at, that, at this point, we still didn't know anything. Come Christmas, Joe and Susanna announced that, well, they had to keep records of, because of all the testing that they were doing, but they announced that they were indeed pregnant. And we rejoiced, and uh, it, was, it was so incredible, because uh, it was one of those moments. Uh, you give me talking about my kids, I lose it. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, I met with Joe afterwards, and, and I, I, I told him, I said, hey, you know, just to let you know, we, we prayed for you guys at midweek, and um, I felt like it was, it was okay. I didn't feel like I was violating any kind of trust, was being broken or anything like that. And um, I told him it, it was the, the week before Thanksgiving, and he, and he says to me, are, are you sure about that date? I said, well, yeah, I looked, it was November the 9th, and um, of course, they, they were having to keep a calendar of things. And um, anyway, um, the doctor determined that it was November the 10th that they conceived. And so, anyway, God is good, you know, and yeah. he will not yeah. be denied. Yeah. <laughs> so. So good. Amen. Thanks. Uh, hey, sh- did you show the... Jerry, did you show the ultrasound? Yeah. Oh, oh did, did you? Okay. All right. Oh, that was that. Thank yeah, that was that was an <laughs> that was an ultrasound, by the way. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Dave. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, all around the room? <clears throat> Man, if you can't tell. This is a place where we believe God for miracles, and he is a God of miracles. He's still doing miracles, and we're experiencing them all around the room. <clears throat> but there's a couple of things that I want to mention to you. If you're here and you have been in a place where you have put too much stock in prophecy and you've not been testing that prophecy through Scripture, and that's you, then I want to pray with you 
just to set a new priority on how we handle prophecy. There's too many people that are too easily swayed, getting off track because they're just listening to words and many of them are words that they want to hear. And everything has to be weighed by the word for us if we're saved. So that's the first person I want to pray for. But secondly, if you're here and you need a miracle in your life and you say, Phil, I'm I'm like Hannah, I, I don't know. I've turned everywhere, I've been to every doctor, I've done everything I know to do, but I need a miracle in my life. If that's you, I wanna pray for you. If any of those two fit your life right now, would you raise your hand all around the room? We're gonna pray for you, yeah. Anybody else? 